1: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 3, 2,
1: 1, 0. All engine running. off. We have a liftoff.
2: So who knew that democracy actually died in the darkness of an East Virginia medical school yearbook page? My goodness gracious, folks. Virginia is melting down, as someone said on Twitter, the worst day since Gettysburg for Virginia. Wow. I mean, it just we uh, let me give you the state of play. I, I want to go in depth on this. But I actually think the State of the Union is the bigger story, and, and Stacey Abrams' response, particularly for those of you here in Georgia listening. And so we'll get into the Virginia thing, but let me just give you the real uh, the overview here. So last Friday, the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, uh, has it been a, yeah, I guess it was last Friday, last Thursday, one of the two. Um, it was disclosed that in his yearbook page, he had chosen a picture of someone in blackface next to someone in a Klan outfit. So the attorney general and the lieutenant governor of Virginia called on the governor to resign, saying this was unforgivable, even though he apologized. So he actually apologized on Friday and then had a press conference on Saturday where he said, oh, nope, not this picture. I was in blackface in a different picture, not this one. Uh, That one's not me. But somehow someone put it on his page in his yearbook where he got to pick the pictures. Uh, (laughs) So, then it came out on Sunday into Monday that the Lieutenant Governor, Justin Fairfax, who was considered an up-and-coming Democratic star, has been accused, credibly accused, no less, under the Kavanaugh standard, of uh, sexually assaulting a woman, forcing himself on her, forcing her to... Uh, do things to him she did not want to do. She has now today released a detailed statement, far more detail in her statement than Christine Blasey Ford ever released with Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, Democrats have suddenly gone silent, but, but, but it gets better. So the lieutenant, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. So the lieutenant governor and the attorney general both said the governor needed to resign for appearing in blackface. And this morning, It came out that the attorney general of Virginia is now admitting he too appeared in blackface. Now, on the upside, there's no picture yet of the attorney general in blackface. On the downside, he's already set the standard that you got to resign if you appeared in blackface 30 years ago. And he appeared in blackface 37, 38 years ago. Slightly longer time gap than the governor of Virginia. Now, they've all gone on record saying the governor needs to resign. The governor says he's going nowhere. In fact, uh, the governor's staff says he has said he can't resign because otherwise he'll be uh, defined as a racist for the rest of his life. He's got to prove he's not. And this all gets to the point that I was making at Claremont McKenna College on Monday night and what I've said to you guys. If we use the standards of the less, first of all, they're applied inconsistently. We see this with Justin Fairfax now. His accuser is hiring Christine Blasey Ford's Attorneys. She has the location. She has when it happened. She has who was involved. She has what happens. All of these things, far more detailed than Christine Blasey Ford ever raised. And yet some of the same Democrats who were saying Brett Kavanaugh was unqualified to be on the Supreme Court because of that accusation are now keeping very, very quiet on the Justin Fairfax accusation. The attorney general who said that a picture 35 years ago was caused for the governor to resign is now saying, I don't know. They, they don't want to hold themselves to their own standard. What we're seeing is they're holding their political opponents to higher standards than they want to be held to. But what I want to reemphasize here is what I've long said to you guys. You've got to have room for grace. You've got to have room for forgiveness. The reason the Virginia Democrats are in the situation they're in today is because they didn't want to exercise grace in their politics when other people could advance their career based on 35-year-old sins of someone else. They wanted to attack him. They wanted to destroy him. They didn't want to say, hey, wait, you, you screwed up. And you got to expect that the attorney general from Virginia is the genuine idiot in all of this because he's now admitting he was in a picture and he's already called for people to resign if they appeared in blackface. The, the whole thing is just farcical nonsense to watch. And there, there's a word here of caution for you Republicans, myself included here. You know how this works. In fact, the New York Times today, when they came out with the headline, um, it, 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 let me let me actually get the screenshot of this so that I can read you the headline properly. The New York Times headline on the story today, don't tell me there's no media bias. This is how the New York Times reported the story. This is their headline. Virginia Attorney General says he also dressed in dark makeup. Friends, I'm sorry, that's not what you call blackface now there was enough public outrage the new york times wound up having to to change the headline to comport with story and it's not the reporter's fault the reporters don't actually write the headlines you have the editors who write the headlines and it was that that editor who wrote the headline decided to use dark makeup not use blackface and the new york times before they changed the headline pushed the story out on the new york times app so it says the uh, virginia attorney general used dark makeup Only after that you probably looking at that story on your iPhone and saying, huh? This doesn't sound like a big deal. No, 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 no. It was blackface. It wasn't dark makeup. Bias in the media here bias in the Democrats and double standards. Uh, that's what all this is. Man, we rushed so far out of the gate, I, I i think I probably need to say, it is Eric Erickson here on WSB and Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number is 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB Talk. There's more on the state of play in Virginia. There's also a lot on judges. Uh, big controversy in the Senate over the Democrats' handling of Naomi Rome who is the President's nominee for the D.C. Circuit, replacing Brett Kavanaugh Okay, we got to get into the State of the Union. I, I have to say the CBS News poll, I don't really buy instant polls, but they used them for Barack Obama as well. Uh, what we do know is there's been a 10% increase in viewership last night. I suspect some Democrats were hoping there would be a, a you lie moment like Joe Wilson. They they didn't give him that. In fact, most of the Democrats, the president could have said, uh, I support laws prohibiting the murder of puppies, and the Democrats would have sat on their hands. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in particular, he was able to get them cheer for the number of women in Congress. And man, I, I just say, I, I'm... I'm not surprised the number of people who pointed out after the Virginia news, probably not good. They all dressed in white uh, as if they were in solidarity with Ralph Northam or something. Not not good for the Democrats there. Uh, but nonetheless, they did. They dressed in white suffragette colors as a protest. So the president would have to see him. You couldn't help but miss them. The cameras made sure to cover them constantly on, on the TV news feeds. The president, though, in the CBS instant reaction poll, 76% of people, Liked the president's speech. Now, in contrast with Barack Obama, he would typically hit about 80%. But 76% of the people liked the president's speech. That includes a fair number of Democrats, a large number of independents, liked the president's speech. 72% of people who heard the president's portion on immigration wound up agreeing with him. I want to play you some of the president's audio. I think he did a very, very good job building the case for his immigration plan. In fact, I reached out to some senior administration officials today at the White House and told them he needs to hit the campaign trail with this stuff. Listen to some of what the president said on immigration.
0: We have a moral duty to create an immigration system that protects the lives and jobs of our citizens. This includes our obligation to the millions of immigrants living here today who followed the rules and respected our laws. Legal immigrants enrich our nation and strengthen our society in countless ways. Tonight, I am asking you to defend our very dangerous southern border out of love and devotion to our fellow citizens and to our country. No issue better illustrates the divide between America's working class and America's political class than illegal immigration wealthy politicians and donors push for open borders while living their lives behind walls and gates and guards
2: now that's a Stephen Miller line that the president used and of course the press was quick to point out oh he's using that Stephen Miller line that awful line and the president did something else that the media doesn't like and I actually think it was very effective and it's interesting that it's the media that pushes back on the president on this even though it's very, and I, it, I shouldn't say even though, I think because it's so effective, uh, this soundbite from the president I thought really stood out as one of the lines of the night last night.
0: Working-class Americans are left to pay the price for mass illegal immigration, reduced jobs, lower wages, overburdened schools, hospitals that are so crowded you can't get in, increased crime, and a depleted social safety net. Tolerance for illegal immigration is not
2: compassionate. It is actually very cruel. Tolerance for illegal immigration is not compassionate. It's actually very cruel. He then transitioned into talking about the crime issue, about the MS-13 shooting in the New York City subway and highlighted the family whose uh, parents, grandparents, were killed by an illegal alien burglar. The press always pushes back against the president. I'm not even talking about the Democrats. I'm talking about the actual American press, although I realize the conflation of the two. They push back very, very hard on this, and they always want to suggest what the president is saying is that illegal alien crimes are higher than American citizen crimes, and that's not true statistically. And he's not actually saying that. What the president is saying is that these people would still be alive if we enforced uh, the law and secured our borders. That's what he's saying. That's his point. And he made it really, really good last night. And to his credit, 72% of people who heard the president last night on that point agreed with him. That includes a fair number of Democrats. He needs to double down on this message that he delivered last night, and he needs to hit the campaign trail. Okay, I want to tell you guys about Calm, uh, which has become the most used app in my household. Uh, we've been using it because my buddy Jonathan Last recommended it to me. Even before they came along asking if I'd do an endorsement, I was like, yeah, yes, I'll endorse you uh, because we use you. It's the number one app to help you sleep, meditate, and relax. If you head to calm.com slash Eric, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription. It includes hundreds of hours of programs. It includes guided meditations for anxiety, stress, focus, including brand new meditation called The Daily Calm. There are sleep stories with some of the very famous actors reading. You get Stephen Fry or, uh, with France and the Lavender Fields or explore New Zealand with Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. Bob Ross is there as well. For a limited time, my listeners are going to get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at Calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash Eric. You get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at Calm.com slash Eric. Give yourself the gift of Calm. Have a happy and healthy 2019. My wife, she had her scans yesterday. I was... You know, you know, I got to give a, just a brief um, thank you to Delta as a matter of kindness. I was very clearly on my phone as we were taking off from Salt Lake City yesterday, coming back from my speech in California. I had to go through Salt Lake, and the stewardess told me I had to turn off. And I looked at her, and I said, ma'am, my wife is having her scans for her cancer, and she should be texting me any moment the results. And she just patted me on the shoulder and said okay. And I, as we were lifting off from Salt Lake City, I got the message. that The scans were good. Uh, no new tumors, uh, no growth in the existing ones. That is the best we can hope for, uh, keeping what she has in remission and with her medicine. And so thank you all for the prayers. Uh, we were actually, we, this has kind of become a, a routine thing. So with metronomic regularity, we go through this every three months. Uh, we show up at Emory for Uh, The CT scan, the blood work, the visit with the doctor, waiting to find out if they've started growing again. And there's a different medicine uh, that she can take. If they do, we're hoping this one lasts for a long time, though. And it's just this one kind of stresses out. She's been been having weirder side effects and, and issues in the last month than she's had before. And that just concerned us. So... I really do appreciate the prayers there. Um, it's a struggle sometimes. Sometimes you get overwhelmed by this stuff. I'm more and more mindful. I, I don't have a, a a Bible study group. I used to have a group of guys who met at my house every other Thursday night, and we were all going through life situations, and we could spend time just just to, even if we didn't actually do a Bible study lesson, just hang out and visit and catch up and and have a good private fellowship together, and all those guys have moved away, and I got to find another group. I was talking to my assistant pastor the other day about that. Um, it, it's it's amazing how having a group of friends can do you some good. It was one of the things I talked about at Claremont McKenna that uh, we consider now text messaging, FaceTiming, video chats, and stuff with friends to be a substitute for companionship, and it's really not, um, There's something different and profoundly better about face-to-face contact with friends in a regular way. So, and I'm, I'm bad about that. I mean, I'm a, I know I'm a workaholic. I love my job. I love doing what I'm doing. If I could do radio nine hours a day, I would. It is the best job I've ever had. But you know, you got to make time for friends and family as well. When we come back to Stacey Abrams response, I'll tell you what I thought about it and take your calls as well. this virginia situation y'all the <laughs> lieutenant governor of virginia has just tweeted out a picture of him with two other guys praying the hashtag is we rise together and the all the, the this tweet says is genesis 5020 but as for you you meant evil against me but god meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people Alive, I don't know that calling your female accuser who says you sexually assaulted her evil is the smart response for this guy. He's lashed out at everyone and denied it. In fact, he's even at one point over the weekend called into question her sexual history and said that that makes her not believable. He's attacking the accuser. You know, Brett Kavanaugh never did that with Christine Blasey Ford. And yet it, it, people said that his temperament in his handling of it, his outrage at being accused when he was unqualified to be on the Supreme Court. They're all quiet now. This is why you should never hold your uh, the, your opponents to a standard you cannot possibly meet yourselves. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, the phone number here. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number 404 872 750 Let's have some plain truths about Stacey Abrams' speech last night. And when I mean plain truths, it's painful for some of you. I, I have more than one person has sent me angry tweets or text messages, and it really says more about them than me, I think, and the way they're responding to this. It is objectively, honestly true that Stacey Abrams gave a better State of the Union response than pretty much anyone other than Bob McDonnell and Nikki Haley to two of Barack Obama's uh, in the past 10 years. She gave it. You can disagree. I disagree with the substance. I don't agree with anything Stacey Abrams said. Stylistically, though... Her speech was very conversational. She did not screw up, and that is the standard for the State of the Union. Think about the ones you most likely remember. It's the Kennedy guy from last year drooling. It's Marco Rubio interrupting himself to take sips of water. It's one of the other Republicans against Barack Obama who got a frog in his throat and was struggling. Then you had the the Democratic situation. It's just The whole thing was... She was better than Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer a few weeks ago. Stacey Abrams gave a good speech. You may hate me for saying it, but it's still true. Truth is not meant to be mean or hateful. It's just true. Now, as to her substance and style... I got to tell you the optics of that thing uh, at the having the walking dead cast member zombies behind her slightly out of focus a little bit leaning to the side and uh, I I don't understand why the Democrats thought that was good and then you had all of the Democratic women in Congress dressed in white really standing out and Stacey Abrams is in I'm a guy I consider that color maroon some of you will say it's something else I don't know um, I, I, someone apparently used the word puce the the other day to describe a color that I thought was maroon. Um, and I, I have no idea. We're not going to dwell on that. But she wasn't in white. She was in that color. Uh, the lighting was somewhat off on the stage. You had the out-of-focus zombies behind her. Uh, the optics there weren't great. And then what she said, you had this situation where the Democrats in Congress refused to give the president any standing ovations that they could help it, and yet they still wound up giving him a standing ovation for the economic news. The lowest unemployment we've had in, in, since World War II, the lowest black unemployment, the lowest Hispanic unemployment, the lowest female employment, the most women in the workforce ever. More people in the workforce now than in 2009 when the recovery suddenly began. Um, it, it just a it, great economic news for this president. And the Democrats gave him a standing ovation. Much of the economic success we've had in the last year has been because of the tax cuts. Objectively so, businesses reinvesting. And then Stacey Abrams comes out after the Democrats gave all of that a standing ovation. Stacey Abrams comes out and says, no, actually, everything's bad. The economy's bad. It's all bad. The tax cut was bad. It hurt people. It's all bad.
1: We owe more to the millions of everyday folks Who keep our economy running, like truck drivers forced to buy their own rigs, farmers caught in a trade war, small business owners in search of capital, and domestic workers serving without labor protections. Women and men who could thrive if only they had the support and freedom to do so.
2: Except you expand the government, you're taking away their freedoms. She totally missed that. Um, And then doubling down on abortion as well. It was just very, very weird. Clearly, the Democrats wanted to avoid abortion, and yet she wants to make a fight of it. Let me play this soundbite from the Abrams speech.
1: America achieved a measure of reproductive justice in Roe v. Wade, but we must never forget it is immoral to allow politicians to harm women and
0: families to advance a political agenda
2: to harm women and families to advance a political agenda. Fascinating, given what the president said.
0: There could be no greater contrast to the beautiful image of a mother holding her infant child than the chilling displays our nation saw in recent days. Lawmakers in New York cheered with delight upon the passage of legislation that would allow a baby to be ripped from the mother's womb moments from birth. These are living, feeling, beautiful babies who will never get the chance to share their love and their dreams with the world. And then we had the case of the governor of Virginia, where he stated he would execute a baby after birth to defend the dignity of every person I am asking Congress to pass legislation to prohibit the late-term abortion of children who can feel pain in the mother's womb.
2: You know, this is not the fight for the Democrats. Uh, They're not going to win this fight. And you know why they're not going to win this fight, Uh, which makes it even more curious that Abrams wanted to make a fight out of it. You know they're not going to win this fight when you have Terry McAuliffe, The Clinton hatchet man and governor of Virginia, surprisingly, apparently the most ethical Democratic governor in the last uh, decade in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, Tim Kaine, Hillary Clinton's running mate, both come out and say they're opposed to this new Virginia law. They're opposed to aggressive advocation of late-term abortion. In fact, the New York Times, when New York passed its abortion law, did you know the New York Times did not even cover it? The New York Times, which had an editorial calling for that law to be passed when it was passed, never even covered it. What we're seeing is that the Democrats understand they can't pass these laws if there's public attention on them. They've got to be very, very quiet. I mean, who supports killing kids? Only the Democrats. For Stacey Abrams to make it a, a big issue that, that they got to double down on infanticide is nuts. But the craziest thing about Abrams' speech... And again, I think a, and she gets an A for delivering that speech. It was one of the best state of the union responses. You're not given much, uh, Nikki Haley, Bob McDonald, Stacey Abrams in the last decade, the three best responses to a state of the union, but on substance, so much wrong with it. And then there's this other substantive point. The Democrats clearly are angling to make Stacey Abrams a national phenomenon, They want her to be Beto Uh, O'Rourke. I'm imagining there's some level of guilt there that Democrats nationwide focus so much on Beto O'Rourke who never had a shot in Texas. And completely ignored Stacey Abrams until it was too lo- too late. They're trying to make things right. They're trying to build her up. It is almost Soviet for the Democrats in Georgia to keep referring to her as Leader Abrams. She's nothing. And in fact, there was this weird transition in the beginning where she talks about her former time in the legislature and, and her losing battle for governor. And, and she's a former candidate. She's not an elected official. It was bizarre that the Democrats did that, which also suggests they have bench problems on the Democratic side, but that Abrams has not yet announced she's running for the Senate or for governor. She could have fundraised off that speech last night and did not. And that was very striking to me. And I wonder if the Democrats made her not do that because it was a complete missed opportunity for her campaign-wise. I got to tell you, though, this is really important here. David Perdue better be on his A game because the Democrats are coming for him and they're going to use Stacey Abrams to do it. And she will gladly do it. If she can, the Purdue campaign needs to be laying down roots in the Atlanta suburbs yesterday and going door to door and building relationships and doing just huge constituent service from his Senate office. They have got to double down on this in Georgia uh, because they're gonna have a fight on their hands in 2020, a real fight. And the better Purdue does in 2020, the better the president will do in Georgia. So man, you know I, I, I just I gotta give another shout out to the Virginia Democrats who have figured out just a very clever way to get everybody to stop talking about the State of the Union already. Normally what happens with President Trump is on Thursday he tweets something ridiculous and the press uses it as an excuse to pivot away from the speech. I, when we come back, I, I do want to tell you, I, I, I had a conversation with a couple of very senior people in the White House and my thoughts to them on what the president needs to do next But before we do that, something that really just sticks with me, and and my buddy Chris texted me to point it off and and said the same thing, Uh, Stacey Abrams in her speech last night, she's picking up on a new euphemism the Democrats are using, reproductive justice. They don't want to say abortion because a majority of Americans consider themselves pro-life. Despite all the spin from the Democrats, the fact that the Democrats have changed their language... Uh, is a really strong indication that most Americans are actually pro-life, despite what Democrats say. So they got to say call it reproductive justice instead of abortion rights. In the same way that liberals now call themselves progressives because everybody hates liberals. In a few years, they'll go back to calling themselves liberals because people decide they hate progressives. That's what actually happened in the early 20th century. They were progressives, and then suddenly they called themselves liberals because everybody hated them. Um, Here's the thing, though. You can call it whatever you want to call it. You can say you're advocating for reproductive justice. You can say you're advocating for abortion rights. It doesn't change what you're actually doing, which is cracking open a child's skull, vacuuming out their brains, and then tearing them limb from limb and selling them for parts. That's what Planned Parenthood does. That's what the Democrats support. You can say all you want. You're pro-choice. You can say all you want. You're for reproductive rights. That's what you're supporting. You're supporting people doing that. And the Democrats, now their position is, up until the moment the child completely exits the womb, it should be legal. They went from safe, legal, and rare to let's make it comfortable after it's born and kill it. Him or her. That's what Ralph Northam said. And conveniently, the New York Times even, in their pushback against the president from his statement last night, they're deleting what Ralph Northam said in context. When we come back, my advice to the White House today.
1: We have a
2: it is eric erickson here atlanta's evening news on wsb and boy do we got news <laughs> the full number 404-872-0750-1800 wsb talk matt brass a state senator from the Noonan area uh, has informed the Senate leadership that he wants to remove his name from the Equal Rights Amendment sponsorship. Uh, he he wants his name taken off the resolution of state house, state resolution or Senate resolution rather, uh, fifty five. Yay! Good for Matt Brass. Uh, Good for him listening to his constituents. Also, the AJC reporter has a picture from Mike Mike Dugan's office day. Dugan, not Duggan. Uh, Mike Dugan's office day. Guess what's piled up? Soccer balls. (laughs) There's just piles of soccer balls. I love you, people. For those of you who do not know what I'm talking about uh I encourage listeners to send balls to the Senate leadership office because they were squishy on the equal rights amendment and I recommended soccer balls they can donate them to lo- local schools and the hipsters and millennials these days they love soccer so if they're worried about optics they'll have a huge optics win by being able to donate all the soccer balls received by they got a lot of them coming in from Amazon <laughs> I love you, people. I love you. And the Equal Rights Amendment, we have killed it here in Georgia. You have killed it here in Georgia. And if any of you know Matt Brass, the the senator from Noonan, you should thank him, thank him, thank him for pulling his name from sponsorship now that he realizes it. You know, I I actually got a text message from a member of Senate leadership who was very frank with me that uh, they did not realize the implications of the Equal Rights Amendment, they really did think that at this point uh, we've got equal rights. I mean, what right does a man have that a woman doesn't have in the United States? So it, it's more of a feel-good resolution now. Add it to the add it to the Constitution. And until I started explaining what Ruth Bader Ginsburg had written about it, what the ACLU had written about it, what Planned Parenthood had written about it, uh, and how state uh, and federal courts have um, interpreted state-level versions, they had no idea that the Equal Rights Amendment has been used by judges as an abortion-on-demand piece of legislation. So it it is dead in Georgia. That is a good thing. And soccer balls are piling up. It just—my goodness— Um, Now, we need to spend a little more time with the implications of what is happening uh, in Virginia uh, because it is the, the Democrats are melting down there. As someone on Twitter said earlier, I mentioned in the first hour, this is the worst day in Virginia history since Gettysburg. Uh, we, we gotta, we gotta deal with this. This is the third day of Gettysburg. I believe they said, I, I got an email from listener Camille and she's actually saying what I was thinking during commercial break at the top of the hour. And what other listeners are also saying is in the situation in Virginia, it's hard to talk about the Lieutenant governor situation the same way it was hard to talk about the Brett Kavanaugh situation because many of you have kids in the car right now. So I want to try to be discreet in how I handle the Virginia situation, but we do need to discuss uh, the further implications of the Virginia situation. So uh, just a, a quick review. Let me give you the entire political state of play in Virginia right now. If the governor resigns, the lieutenant governor becomes governor. If the lieutenant governor resigns, the attorney general becomes governor. If the attorney general resigns, the Speaker of the House of Representatives and the Virginia House of Delegates becomes the the governor or the Speaker of the House of Delegates, not Speaker of the House of Representatives. Um Now, here's the problem there. The Speaker of the House in Virginia is a Republican. The other three are Democrats. And the Speaker is the Speaker because he won a random drawing in a tied race. They drew his name out of a bowl. That's how he became elected. And then he was chosen a Speaker. So that's your state of play in Virginia. The governor. The governor appeared in black. He admitted to it. He apologized for it on Friday and on Saturday. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. not that picture. I wasn't in blackface in that picture. I'm sorry. As as the New York Times is saying today and as other media outlets are following, it's not blackface. It is, um, oh, how did they put it in the New York Times? Uh, Dark makeup. That's right. Dark makeup. He didn't appear in blackface. He was in dark makeup. That's what the new. That's what media outlets are now saying. He was in dark makeup. He was in blackface. The picture in the Virginia yearbook, in the Virginia governor's yearbook page from his medical school. Uh, by the way, there are multiple pictures of other people also in blackface in this yearbook. It's not just him. And this picture is of someone in blackface next to someone dressed up as a Klansman, complete with the hood. So the Attorney General of Virginia says the governor needs to resign. This is uncalled for. The Lieutenant Governor says the same thing. Well, now it turns out the Lieutenant Governor is being accused of um, behaving indecently with a woman who has now hired the law firm that represented Christine Blasey Ford. She has released a letter that is very graphic in what happened. Way more details than Christine Blasey Ford ever offered up in her situation. Well, Now the Attorney General of Virginia, meeting behind closed doors this morning with the Democratic Black Caucus in Virginia, admitted he too has appeared in, according to the New York Times, dark makeup. Blackface. So he's already set the standard that the governor needs to resign. The lieutenant governor has said the same thing. The lieutenant governor was also one of the vocal Democrats during the Kavanaugh situation saying we got to believe all women that the accusation is so serious and substantive that Kavanaugh is unfit for office. And now he's suddenly saying uh, he actually, according to multiple sources to NBC News, uh, said behind closed doors today, um, the, the F word and the B word is a liar. Or something to that effect. Not a good look for the uh, lieutenant governor of Virginia, who is attacking his accuser. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say precisely what he said. Um, some of you have kids in the car, but the the F word and the B word were involved. And now his staff has actually come out and said, well, he said the F word. he didn't say the B word. That, that is really. We're at the point where the lieutenant Governor in Virginia is having to set the record straight on which explicit word to refer to his accuser did he use. And now he's on Twitter referring to her as an evil as an evil accuser. So much for believe all women. The moral of the story here is that Democrats have loved for years to accuse the Republicans of things they knew the media would avoid accusing them of and to set very, very high standards for their opponents. Well, because Ralph Northam opened his mouth on the abortion issue and came out in favor of infanticide and it blew up, the Democrats had to get rid of Ralph Northam. The Democrats, I'm I'm more and more convinced this is like uh, mutually assured destruction. It's like the fears back in the days that if the U.S. launched a nuclear strike on on the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union would launch on us and everybody would launch their nukes and we would all die in in a nuclear holocaust. This is what's happening in Virginia. It is mutually assured destruction. The nuclear winner is upon the Virginia Democrats. Everybody is launching their opposition research to take out the other Democrat. Uh, They they had to get rid of Ralph Northam because of his pro-infanticide comments. Well, Ralph Northam, maybe it was him. The lieutenant governor thinks it was him. Launched the opposition research against against Fairfax. And now somebody's launched it against the, the attorney general. You know, what's so funny about this is yesterday there were reporters on social media joking, saying, what photos do they have on the attorney general? And they were completely joking. And, well, turns out they have something on him. Never hold your opponents to a standard that you can't meet, folks. And if you do hold them to a standard, expect to live up to that standard yourself or everyone, even your own side, realizes what political hacks you are there are a ton of stories out there about online security breaches and you got to start worrying about how your data is used and where it goes who's looking at it making an online purchase or accessing your email could put your private information at risk and you know you're being tracked online by social media companies marketing companies your mobile internet provider can track you there's one way to make sure your privacy is secure and that's with expressvpn it's got easy to use apps that run seamlessly in the background on your computer on your phone on your tablet all you do to turn it on is one click it secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data hiding your public ip address and you can use expressvpn for less than seven dollars a month it's the number one vpn service by tech radar it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee so protect your online privacy today Find out how you can get three months free at ExpressVPN.com/eric. That's E X P R E S S VPN.com/eric for three months free with a one-year package. Visit ExpressVPN.com/eric to learn more. All righty, folks this this virginia situation it's like you know the scenes from the the 1990s mutually assured destruction films of the soviets and the americans all launching their missiles and uh, this this is this is still happening in virginia as we went to commercial break if i had the power to wrest the microphone back from traffic and cancel the commercials i would have the national organization of women is coming out now with a statement uh, demanding that justin fairfax the lieutenant governor of virginia resign <laughs> I cannot pop enough popcorn today. I just want to sit in front of my Twitter feed and watch it. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. This is just glorious. Uh, let's see the, the full number here, 404 872 750 WSB talk. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls there. We only have about a minute left. I, I don't want to do anyone in injustice of cutting you off quickly. There is other news out there. I still want to tell you what I told the White House. Uh, and in summation, we'll, we'll delve into it after phone calls. But in summation, I told the White House, the president has got to get on the campaign trail. Uh, he's got to go out there now. I want to play you one more soundbite from the State of the Union last night.
0: In the last two years, our brave ICE officers made 266,000 arrests of criminal aliens including those charged or convicted of nearly 100,000 assaults, 30,000 sex crimes, and 4,000 killings or murders. We are joined tonight by one of those law enforcement heroes, ICE Special Agent Elvin Hernandez.
2: I told the White House the president made a great case last night He needs to get on the campaign trail to Pennsylvania, to Michigan, to Ohio, to Wisconsin. And he needs to just repeat what he said at the State of the Union on immigration last night over and over and over. Everything continues to melt down in Virginia. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, A state representative now who served with Justin Fairfax in the state Senate is saying he believes Dr. Vanessa Tyson. That is the accuser, Justin Fairfax. My goodness. Uh, For all the faults uh, we have in Georgia with politicians on both sides of the aisle, we don't have anything like that today. Knock on wood. Let's go to the phones. 404 872 750 WSB Talk. Joe in Holly Springs, thanks for being patient.
1: Hey, Eric. Nice to speak with you again. You uh, too. I heard you mention the uh, reproductive rights and uh, going forward, if I go out on a Friday night and have too many beers, I'm not going to tell people I got drunk. I'm going to tell them I reached alcoholic maturation. <laughs> there you uh, go I, i do have a question for you when i heard it announced that the state of new york passed the law allowing for abortion up until the date of birth uh in fact checking online i read something different that it only allowed it up to week 24 unless the mother's life was in danger so can you clarify which it is?
2: Yes, okay. Um, I'm gonna disconnect you here, but make sure you listen on the radio, Joe. This is this is the the Democrat spin, is that it's not an ab- abortion till birth. It's just till 24 weeks guaranteed you can have an abortion. The what New York did is the the law in New York said that to have a late term abortion. You had to have two independent doctors, um, beyond the one who said you should have an abortion, you should have two other doctors, uh, verify it and confirm that the life of the mother is at risk or the child will be born uh, with such a defect as to be non-viable. That was the law in New York. So to have an abortion, you had to, at late-term abortion, you had to have two independent doctors review it and say the mother's life is in real danger or that the child will be non-viable due to physical defect. They've changed it now. So they're saying you're guaranteed up to 24 weeks to be able to have an abortion if you want one, which, by the way, is past the point at which a, a fetus can feel pain. But what they changed in the law is you no longer have to have two doctors, just the doctor who recommended you have the abortion. And the doctor who recommended you have the abortion no longer has to do it because of a physical defect of the child or the life of the mother. It's now the physical or mental health of the mother, not the physical life of the mother, but the physical or mental health of the mother, or the child has a defect. And the defect that the child has has now been changed to any impairment of the fetus. So if The pregnant woman goes and has an alcoholic beverage before going to the doctor, the fetus will be impaired by the alcoholic beverage. This is actually in the regulations in the District of Columbia that now has something similar that people missed. Uh, if the if the child has is affected by substances the mother has consumed, it's considered a physical defect. So you can abort the child. So essentially, they have allowed uh, abortion up until birth. They don't want to admit that, so they're hiding behind this. A doctor's got to give consent. But they've lowered the bar so low, the mother could go to Planned Parenthood, have the abortionist at Planned Parenthood say, yeah, I, I think your health will be impaired, um, your your mental health or your physical health for any reason whatsoever, it's not subject to appeal, it's not subject to dispute. So as long as you got an abortionist saying, yes, your health will be impaired, therefore you should have an abortion, you can have an abortion until the moment the child is born. That's what they did. That's why conservatives are saying this is uh, legislating abortion until birth because that's the practical effect of the legislation. And the left knows it. They've been bragging about it. They're denying it now that there's backlash. But in the beginning, they were bragging about it. Even in the floor of the New York legislature, they were bragging about it. It's awful. Now, to the phones again we go. Uh, I want to go to Chris in Atlanta. You're next. Welcome.
1: Hi, Eric. Thanks for taking my call again. Sure. Um, I just wanted to follow up on, on something. You uh, You played a snippet from the State of the Union where the president said last year, ICE agents intercepted 266,000 violent criminals coming across the border. Mm -hmm. So that made me think, well, if they caught 266,000, which is 728 every day, how many didn't they catch? Because, I mean, (laughs) I don't know what the percentage is of of how many uh, people coming across the border they catch. I don't know if it's 10%, 50%, 90%, but... If you, if you figure it's it's 10%, that means nine times that number are, are getting through. That means that there's like six 7,000 of these violent criminals coming across the border every day. And I don't see how people cannot see that as
2: a crisis. Well, it, let, let me just give you this data. This is from the New York Times, which says it's not a crisis. The New York Times says it's not a crisis because Customs and Border Patrol, this is a direct quote, arrested more than fifty thousand people trying to illegally cross the southern border each month in October, November, and December. So fifty thousand people a month arrested crossing the border is not a crisis. What was a crisis was a hundred thousand per month uh, in the early two thousands. So. 100,000 a month was a crisis, and the New York Times says a 50,000 a month is not a crisis. 50,000 is still 50,000 people they caught. And yes, there's no data. We don't know how many people they're not catching. This is one of those things Donald Rumsfeld used to talk about as Secretary of Defense, the, the unknown unknowns. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, this is They want to minimize this. The fact is the president was right. Uh, it is not compassionate. It is cruel, and we should stop it. And the Democrats, until Donald Trump was president, agreed with that. When the president highlights crimes by illegal aliens, he's not actually saying that they commit more crime than Americans. What he's saying is that these crimes would not have happened if we enforced our law. And that is indisputable. He's telling the truth there. And the media doesn't want to give him credit. roses uh, that Christy and I got with Sherry's Berries, Uh, they were beautiful. Uh, I love roses. I have loved roses since a kid, since I was a kid. And it was just delightful to get roses with Sherry's Berries as part of their great offer for Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day is coming up. you got less than 10 days, folks. If you've never had Sherry's Berries, they are juicy, delicious strawberries. They're dipped in milk chocolate, dark chocolate, white chocolate. Uh, They come with chocolate chips on them and um, glitter sprinkles. They also come fresh, and they're shipped nationally. You can send them to someone you love anywhere in the U.S., Valentine's Day being right around the corner, they've got a great deal for you that starts at 19.99 plus shipping and handling. If you order now and make Valentine's really special, you can do so by getting this dozen red roses that Christian and I got. They're beautiful and they last too. It's not like you get these red roses and two days later, ah, I got to throw them away. No, these are good red roses. A dozen of them for 19.99 more, Ship with your Sherry's Berries, no extra charge. You go to berries.com, you click on the microphone, you enter my code Erickson at checkout. That's berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. You click the microphone, you enter my code Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, order today. You'll be glad you did. I got to order mine, I guess, before time runs out because I always get them. And I have been since law school, uh, maybe earlier than law school. I think I finally figured it out. It was like when I was in college late when I had a job and was actually making money. I would get them for my sisters and my mom and now still do. And my oldest sister threatens her family they're not allowed to eat her sherry's berry she loves them that much um, in any event uh, that that that's the end of, of the live read but I, I could go on about my family's love affair with this product uh, it really is one um, in any event uh, we are running out of time. Elizabeth Warren, we never even had time to talk about her. The uh, Rona McDaniel, the RNC chair, has filed a grievance with the Texas State Bar after it came out. Elizabeth Warren actually told them she was an American Indian on her state bar card. Uh, we will have more on that tomorrow. The complaint is actually somewhat funny that the RNC has filed against her.